You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So today, once again, is going to be a little bit of a mishmash. We got a little bit more detail on Odell Beckham. We got some more detail on Hayden Hurst. There's some news about A.J. Boye. There's a new wide receiver that hit the market. There's some talk about draft prospects. Question about Showbert. So we're just going to start ripping through some stuff and just see where that leaves us. As per the huge... I'm going to need you to go ahead and do me a favor and jump in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. It's where the party happens. I don't use Facebook. I'm not asking you to use Facebook. I'm asking you to get in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. All right? That's a different thing. That's its own entity. I'm not asking you to be friends with your family. Why would I ever ask you to do something like that? I'm not even asking you to go make friends. That would make me a hypocrite. I'm just asking you to come into the Packernet Podcast Facebook group with some burner Facebook account, and come be a part of the family you've always wanted. Also, make sure you like the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. To be honest, there's not a lot going on there, but I still want you to like it. At this point, it's mostly for my own ego, but hopefully in the future I will utilize that more appropriately. Still, like the page, alright? Just do it. If you want to help out the show, there's several ways in which you can do that. Number one, and the easiest way, at least one of the cheaper ways to do it, tell people about it. Talking Packers with your friends, bring it up. I mean, there's a lot of stuff we talk about on the show. It wouldn't be that hard to call up your buddy who's a Packer fan and be like, guess what I heard on this show the other day? What do you think about this? You know what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm, you know, whatever. You know your strengths and weaknesses. If that's you, go for it. If not, a five-star iTunes review, a five-star Stitcher review, I don't actually think they help. I've come to the conclusion that that does absolutely nothing for my rankings. Um, iTunes, Stitcher, Google, they have made zero effort to actually rank shows based on how good they are. That's not, I mean, I'm, I'm not just being facetious, like, because I have a terrible show, and it's, there are literally shows that are not even Packer-related that have not posted an episode in, like, six years that are ranking above mine, because they just make no effort whatsoever. I don't even know what their algorithm is, but still, a lot of people, if they want to find a show... I have to believe that that's one of the best ways that they can do it, is to look for the reviews. And for that reason, if you could do that, that would be great. If none of those sound appealing to you, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can jump in and support the show financially, and you can do so for as little as a dollar a month. As I've said before, a dollar for me is going to mean a lot more than a dollar for you, presumably. Because, you know, there's there's a lot of you, and if you all put in a dollar, individually a dollar is nothing, collectively it's a lot. That's... That's kind of where I'm coming from on that. However, also as I've said, if a dollar does make an impact in your life, just pass this one by. If a dollar a month is hurting you financially, I don't want your dollar. I'm just assuming because we live, most of us in America, a dollar's not going to crush you. But please don't do anything irresponsible with your money. Trust me, I went to school for finance. I know what I'm talking about. I, I dropped out before I got into the, the, the real meat of it, but I still went. I was there for several years, got like a C- in an accounting class once, so this is, this is sort of my thing. I know, I know what I'm doing here. 
It's my arena. It's my battleground. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, and as I plugged before, if you are interested, because some people had mentioned when I said what would be a good giveaway, they're like, I know, how about we call in and you can like put my voicemail on the show? And it's like, that's already a thing, man. You don't even have to pay for that. That's free. You can call in 608-501-0718. It goes straight to voicemail. Just leave a voicemail question. Again, if you just want to ask a question, you can text or put it in the Facebook group or whatever. If you want me to play your actual voice on the show, call and leave a message. If you insist on calling but don't want me to play your voice, please tell me that ahead of time. Otherwise, that's what's going to happen. You can also text that number again if you want to text a question. Just putting it out there for those that are interested. 608-501-0718. Why don't we take a break and come back and talk about some stuff. Wait! Forgot one very important thing. Thank you to Mr. Joshua for jumping in on Patreon. He is our first March patron. We are 22 patrons away from a PFF subscription giveaway this month. So if there are 22 people out there that would consider giving just a dollar a month, we will be doing a PFF subscription giveaway at the end of this month. Anyways, now let's take a break. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So I don't want to spend a lot of time on Odell, but what I had said yesterday is somebody's going to have to explain what was going on with Odell last year before I will get super excited. Well, Corey went and did his homework and found a report that Odell Beckham was playing through a sports hernia injury and was battling through that all year last year. Now, I'm going to need to vet that. I'm not personally, but I'm again, I'm deferring this to the Packers staff and trusting that they're going to do their due diligence on this. But that 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 answers the question. Because, again, there's, there's the stats and then there's the grades. The stats have not been super top tier for the last three years. They've been good, not great. However, grades... He's been pretty elite almost every year. There was the the fourth year, I think, where he was in the 60s, but he that, he only played like four games. He was injured all year. Then it was his last year with the Giants where the stats weren't that great, but he still was graded as elite. So, you know, there's that. But then last year is a big question mark. Well, if he's injured, kind of explains it, doesn't it? Here's still sort of my hang-up. And again, 
this is whatever your philosophy on this is, that's fine. But just from a, I hate to say a pride standpoint, because that just automatically means it's dumb. But the way that you build a team, this isn't a question, this is a statement. The, the proper way to build a team is through the draft. You can't do it always. Sometimes you need to go out in free agency. But like I said, if, if all you do is go out and overpay for free agents and give up draft picks, like the Bears, right? The, Khalil Mack is a good football player. There's no question about it. He, he, he took a step back last year, and he was still easily a top 10 pass rusher last year. But they have given up so much draft capital and so much money, they have nothing left. They're a shell of a football team because of basically one move. The Trubisky thing didn't help either. The wide receivers that they keep paying for. But that's my point. The only thing they do is they go out and they overpay for free agents, and now they have no money. They've got a bunch of overpaid, underperforming free agents. They traded up for a quarterback. That was no good, so they lost draft capital for that. They went out and got Khalil Mack. They lost a ton of draft picks for that. So now as their team is falling apart, they've got nobody that's there to replace any of these guys because they haven't been drafting anybody. And so as guys leave, there's nobody that's there, which means you have to do what? It makes you want to go out in free agency because you don't have a lot. You have way more holes than you can possibly fix in the draft because you don't have any draft picks. It creates this sort of problem. So again, my biggest issue with this, yeah. okay, I, I believe if we do it, we can. He'd be a good wide receiver. That's fine. Your job as the GM of the Green Bay Packers is to primarily go out in the draft, find young, talented players to come in and be long-term solutions. And, and by the way, a large portion of, of a successful team is built on guys making very minimum dollars, whether that's guys who are veterans who are kind of washed up that we find ways to utilize, like the Patriots did for years with running backs, where they find these sort of mediocre guys that come in and they find a specific role for them, and it just really works out very well. And then when they you know, get a huge reputation, they sell them off to some other team that's like, dude, he's so good, and then they bring him in and try to make them a feature back and they're just not otherwise you've got a bunch of rookies that need to come in and fill roles including even late round guys that maybe aren't that good but we got a lot of spots to fill and again this is your primary job so far a large portion of your success has been through free agency there is some in the draft which is great but but this is this is your job to evaluate talent and in in a draft in which we have one of the best wide receiver drafts in a very, very long time, talent out the ears. And on top of that, the running backs, the tackles, um, you know, quarterbacks are obviously going to get high priority. A lot of these wide receivers are likely going to get pushed down to 30, and you're abdicating that pick. And I'm conceding he's probably not going to be Odell Beckham, but that's not the point. That doesn't matter. I'm not asking you to find Odell Beckham. I'm asking you to do your job and build this team through the draft. And although I respect that ultimately your job is to build a, a high-powered team, everybody understands that by getting Odell Beckham and, and giving away draft picks, you're building for now at the expense of the future. And it's unnecessary. It really is just unnecessary to, to hurt our future, hurt our ability to win long-term, so that we can try to get a somewhat better wide receiver probably and abdicating your duty to get a talented, long-term, cheap wide receiver this year when you're never going to have a better opportunity to do it than this year. Okay, you can't find um, Odell Beckham, but can you find me a DJ Chark? Can you find me a Calvin Ridley? Can you find me an Emmanuel Sanders? Or a Tyler Lockett? Or a Hunter Renfro? 
a Michael Gallup, just just a, a, a quality number two wide receiver? Can you find me a Debo Samuel? Can you find me a Brashad Perriman, a Tyler Boyd? And again, if, if I'm the owner of a team and my GM decides to go out and try to fix these holes and he goes and gets Corey Littleton and Odell Beckham, I'm going to be very, very nervous because it feels to me like you don't have the expectation that you can go out and do this. Now, there, there is the other extreme where you feel way too strong in your ability, like maybe Ted Thompson had. I don't need that. I just need more draft picks. I, I believe I can find a guy in the sixth round, uh, you know, so therefore I don't... I, I believe in my ability to find a guy in the sixth round to the point where I refuse to get free agents. And if I get a free agent, he's going to be some very low level, very minimal cost just to fill a hole because we literally don't have enough picks to fill all the holes. So I have to go out in free agency and do something. That would be the other extreme. But I mean, come on, man. Again, believe me, I'm going to be doing backflips if we get Odell Beckham. But but that's just sort of where I'm at with this. You don't need to do the wrong thing just because Odell Beckham is probably better than anybody you can get in the draft. That, that's that's true about everybody. In free. You can do that with every position, every year, for every hole you've ever had. But your job as a talent evaluator is to evaluate talent, and, and picking up Odell Beckham is lazy. It's like praising somebody you know, for, for drafting one of the Bosa's. I'm sorry, you don't get a lot of credit for that. That's easy. Your ability to evaluate talent really comes into play starting late first, mid first, second round, third round, fourth round, fifth round. Undrafted free agency is a big one. Anybody can just throw money at guys that are really good football players. You don't need to have any experience whatsoever. That's why Pace, in my mind, gets no credit for getting Khalil Mack. There's there's absolutely no risk of him not being a good football player. The question is, is it worth the cost? The answer to that question is no. It has hurt this team tremendously. They have zero dollars because they're paying him over $26 million this year. And again, they have not had any, any draft picks. So this wouldn't crush the team, but just as a general principle, I'm just not super okay with it. You know, again, kudos to Corey for finding this. And I, I think what that means is Odell, if he does leave Cleveland, which isn't a guarantee, probably going to get you know, command a lot from Cleveland, might demand another contract, because again, he's pretty underpaid. If he's getting $14, $15 million, and he's still a top 10 wide receiver, given Odell's temperament, I, I, I don't think he, it would be above him to say, look, you want me, you're going to pay me. And again, that, that is really up to the players as much as it's not his decision, quote unquote, because he, his contract can be traded to whoever, whenever. All he has to do is come out and say, I'm not playing without a new contract, and nobody's going to touch him without offering him a new contract. We've seen that several times now. But again, that's that's just kind of where I'm at. It's not going to break the Packers, but in a year with this many talented wide receivers, yes, it's high risk, but that's what the draft is, and you have to man up and draft somebody. And giving away draft picks to overpay free agents is a way to quickly, quickly fall apart. If you want an example of that, look at the Jacksonville Jaguars. We remember... Not that long ago when Jacksonville went out and bought up everybody. I mean, this was just kind of the strategy, and it maybe is somewhat to, to maybe a little bit of a lesser degree. It's the whole thing where when you get a rookie quarterback, you're not, you don't have that $30 million or 28 or 26 whatever the number was back in the day, two, three, four years ago. You don't have this massive cap hit, so we can go out and just spend like crazy. Well, the, the problem is eventually that all catches up with you, and you have to start purging, and the Jacksonville Jaguars are currently purging. They have lost massive amounts of talent. 
We already saw them give up Jalen Ramsey, and now they just traded A.J. Boye for a fourth. Now, not only is that an example, but it's also an example of something else that I was talking about, and that is how we get caught up with name recognition. We hear the name Jalen Ramsey, and we just assume, because we remember back when Jalen Ramsey was considered the top cornerback in football. And so when there were talks that he was on the trade block, lots of Packer fans were saying that we needed to go get him. Regardless of our situation, you have to go out and get a guy like Jalen Ramsey when he's available. The cost that the Rams pay, and the Rams, by the way, whoever their um, Les Snead is the GM over there, he has got to be the worst GM in football. That team is just an absolute mess. And this trade for Jalen Ramsey, they gave up a 2020 first-round pick and a 2021 first-round pick and a 2021 fourth-round pick. Two first-round picks and a fourth-round pick for Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, but he's the best guy in football. Dude, that was what we said in 2017. Jalen Ramsey had one good year. This is the, We've heard this story so many times. Guys have amazing years for one year, and we just think they're the best ever. He's a good corner. There's no question about him being a good corner. I'm not even disputing that. But if you want to look at his PFF grades, his rookie year was a 72. His, his, in 2017, it was a 91.3, right? This is when everybody said, dude, this is great. And then, you know, the, the Boyer and Ramsey combo was the best combo in football, and it was. In 2018, though, it went back down to a 72.8, exact same grade he got in 2016. And rather being dis- rather than being dissuaded by that, L.A. said, let's just do this. Even even after he had played three weeks and his grade at that point was a 59.6, they said, let's do it. They gave up two first rounds and a fourth round for a guy that has had two good years and one elite year, and so far this year has not been very good. In fact, he got absolutely lit up by Kansas City in week one. He gave up two touchdowns in that game and had a passer rating of 136.1, but still the Rams said, let's go do this. He ended the season with an overall grade of 71.5. Passer rating when targeted of 96.4. Again, he's fine. He's a good corner. There's, you know, whatever. But why in the, that's not even the question. You gave up two first rounds and a fourth round for that? You as a GM can't find a quote-unquote good corner? A guy that grades out in the 70s every single year, except one where he had a freakish year, which happens to a lot of players who have one really good year, and after that it's just kind of, eh. Usually it has to do with just the environment, right? Really good pass. We saw it with the Bears. Really good pass rushers. I mean, just the unit was perfect. It was no different than the 2018 Bears, where everybody saw a massive spike. Why would you buy into that? But they did, and a lot of Packer fans bought into it and said, we need to do it. Granted, I don't know if they would have done it with two firsts and a fourth, but even if we gave up a first-round pick for it, for what? If you're going to give up two firsts and a fourth, let me tell you something. I want you to be the best corner in football. Best corner in football. That's what I want you to be. Not I want you to have been that once in a perfect situation. I want you to come here and be the best cornerback in football. Jalen Ramsey graded out as the 28th best corner in football, barely a number one. Jair Alexander graded out higher than he did. Tremont Williams graded out higher than he did. In fact, Darius Williams is a corner for the Rams, graded out higher than Jalen Ramsey did. And you know what? This isn't a down year. This isn't a fact of, well, he just had a bad year, just wait. He had exactly the kind of year he's always had except that one year. There is zero reason to believe he's going to have a bounce-back year. That one year was an inflated year based on having a, a freakish, 
defense that was the most dominant defense in all of football. Cornerbacks and everybody else tend to thrive in those kinds of environments. Safeties have really good years. Everybody does. And that brings you to A.J. Boye. A.J. Boye played for the Houston Texans. He was really bad for three years with Houston and then had a breakout year in 2016, so Jacksonville went out and got A.J. Boye. In 2017, he continued to have a really, really good year, but again, that's 2017. So it's likely that that was overinflated. 2018, he dropped down into the 70s. 2019, he went back down into the 50s. He was terrible this last year. And so it's not improbable or unfair to say that A.J. Boye maybe is a kind of corner that can thrive in certain environments and certain schemes, but he is not the kind of guy that you just go out and pay to be your number one. And so I'm not trying to pick on Dalton in the group, but his contention is, why would you not give up a fourth-round pick for a top-15 corner? The answer is because he's not a top-15 corner. Jalen Ramsey is a guy that has done really, really well in certain situations. And, and what, what I mean by that is in situations in which the rest of the defense was incredible. His final year in Houston, you know, the Texans have had really good success defensively. Maybe that's what the case was. I don't know. Or maybe it was just one of those breakout kind of years. I don't know. But the point is, if I'm looking at this, I'm nervous. And I, he's again, he's maybe the kind of guy... Same with a lot of guys. If I can provide that kind of a situation, and I actually think Denver makes a lot of sense. I'm not saying Denver's dumb, but you have to be a team like that. First of all, Vic Fangio is the kind of guy, look what he did with Fuller. Fuller is exactly this kind of a player. Fuller's the kind of guy that I would look at and go, dude, he had one good year. He's not even that good. But Vic Fangio made him good, didn't he? And he did that by making a great environment. And the Denver Broncos are building a great environment with really good pass rushers and great guys up front and really, really top-tier safeties, safety help over the top. And he's going to have a zone scheme, so it's not going to be man-to-man. He's not going to put him out on an island. He's going to put him in a situation where he has limited responsibility with a lot of help from pass rush, a lot of help in run support, a lot of help with safeties, and he just has one job to do, and he's going to dominate in that role. And there's a good possibility that he is going to dominate, and everyone's going to say, wow, how dumb for for them to give him up for a fourth. How dumb for every team not to go out and do it. That's fine, but again, you have to be able to provide that kind of a situation. But to put things in their proper context, A.J. Boye has been terrible more than he's been really good. And you have to make sure that what you're going to ask him to do is exactly what it is that he needs to be doing. And you could say, well, what about the Packers? They got a good pass rush. Right, but they also like to put their corners on an island. Petten likes to do press man coverage. Now, I don't know for sure. Maybe that is what A.J. Boye can do. I, I don't know the nuances of it. I just know that, for example, I would be willing to bet he is a, a Kyle Fuller kind of guy. And Vic Fangio needs guys like Fuller, which, by the way, Fuller would be great for his scheme because the Bears can't utilize him. They don't know how to utilize him, or they don't want to utilize him in that way because Pagano just has a different way of doing things. Because, again, that whole we tailor our scheme to fit the players thing is nonsense. That's not true. I don't think that's ever been true. So he's got his way of doing defense. He comes in, and that's not what anybody else does, and so they're, but whatever. I would be willing to bet that A.J. Boye just wasn't a good fit for the Green Bay Packers, if you want an answer. And so if the Packers went out and got him and made him a press man corner out there with Jair and Kevin King, we would be getting the 58 overall grade version of A.J. Boye instead of the 87 version of A.J. Boye that we saw once. So again, this is a guy who... It's not like he had one break. It's different than Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey is a good corner, and I think Jalen Ramsey can come in and do whatever you ask him to do. 
different than A.J. Boye. Jalen Ramsey is the guy that you can put him out on an island, you can put him in whatever thing you want. The point is, though, he's not a 90 overall grade guy. He's a 75, maybe 80 overall grade guy. Of course, his ceiling is dependent on what you can build around him. The Rams don't have a good defense outside of Aaron Donald, so you know he's probably just going to hit that floor in the 70s, which is a great grade on a de- terrible defense. Not worth two firsts and a fourth, but that's just sort of what Jalen is. A.J. Boye is a guy that is very scheme-dependent, and I don't think he fits our scheme. This is a guy who had two really good years, a decent year, and four pretty bad years. To be specific on what he gave the Jaguars this past year, overall passer rating when targeted of 103.8. Think about that. Almost very few quarterbacks really get to that high of a passer rating. I mean, in terms of over the course of a year. In fact, there were only three, I think, this past year. Actually, that's not true. There were seven. There were seven quarterbacks. I was thinking 113, over 103. Only seven managed to throw for 103. Patrick Mahomes, Matt Stafford, Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, Lamar Jackson, Drew Brees, and Ryan Tannehill. Again, I've been telling you Matt Stafford did not have a bad year. He didn't. He had a very good year. Kirk Cousins as well. Only nine were even over 100 for the the course of the year. A.J. Boye managed to give up 103 passer rating when he was targeted. Just to put that into perspective, he gave up 772 yards, three touchdowns, had one interception. In terms of his grades, he had zero grades in the 90s, zero grades in the 80s, and only three games in the 70s, which would mean only three games he was graded out as a good corner. Three. Only four games on top of that, he was average. So we're talking about half the year he was average or better. Four games where he was graded as below average, that leaves three more games where he was considered basically garbage. That's what A.J. Boye did. Again, we got to get away from this whole thing where I remember his name and I remember hearing he's one of the best corners in football two years ago. Things change rapidly. There are actually very few guys who are elite just every year. Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of players are very good for a year, right? The Khalil Max, the Aaron Donalds, not to say that guys don't have down years on occasion, but guys that you can just consistently count on. And, and that's why the Packers took a pretty big risk with, risk with going out and getting guys who had, you know, maybe one-year breakout years. It made me super nervous. Now, it panned out, and hopefully it is a long-term thing. We'll have to see, but that's, that's a risky, risky thing to do. So, yeah, I mean, if you were asking me if, if I heard A.J. Boye was available for a fourth, would I do it? The answer is no. And, I've, and, and look, the other way to do this, as far as, you know, just asking the question, why wouldn't the Packers do this for a fourth? It is a legitimate question, but rather than coming at it from a standpoint of the Packers must be dumb, ask yourself, why in the world could the Jaguars only get a fourth for him? Because I promise you, if he really was a top 15, top 10, top 20 corner, no chance he, gets, he, he goes away for a fourth meaning our assumptions about him must have been wrong. Now, the other aspect is age and contract cost, but, you know, we're talking $13 million, which is a lot. $13 million over the next two years is what's remaining on his contract. It's a lot, and it's a risk because Vic Fangio had better get the better version of A.J. Boye out of him. But again, I, I trust Vic Fangio to be able to do that. The Jaguars couldn't. I don't think the Packers would. I think there's a lot of teams that are not going to be able to build an environment where A.J. Boye can thrive, and I think the Broncos are one of the few that, that possi- possibly can. We'll have to see. But also remember the other major theme here, and that is the Jaguars are a team that built through free agency. 
And basically what that did, we saw it with the Eagles. The Eagles were another team where they were basically in an, in an arms race. And we see this almost every year where there's a couple teams that get into this sort of arms race where they're just loading up as much free agent talent because they're shooting for the goal of getting a Super Bowl. But some teams do it very recklessly. And if you miss the target, you're in a lot of trouble. And the Jaguars are that team. They just missed, you know, going to the Super Bowl thanks to Blake Bortles being terrible. And now it's just teardown time. And it seems like the more they give away, the, the less money they have. They're just in such a horrible downward spiral. Now, the Eagles were smart enough to kind of weave their way through this. They're, they're kind of in, in a bit of a tenuous situation. They're losing. I mean, they had a stacked defensive line that is slowly eroding. But if you're just doing this recklessly and you're going out and paying a bunch of people and then you miss the Super Bowl, you, you're just in a lot of trouble. And I don't want the Packers to go down that road. I don't want them to be a laughing stock. I don't want them to be in a situation where they have negative cap like the Vikings because they have to overpay all their own guys to keep their own guys even if they're not very good. And I just I don't want to be in that situation. I, I And I, I trust Gutekunst and their ability to evaluate talent. And I think they're going to do something in free agency like they said they would. But I just have a hard time believing, if we bring this thing back full circle now, that they're going to give up draft capital if they absolutely don't need to. So for a corner, no, we have corners. For a wide receiver, maybe, but it might be sort of like what we did with Edge Rusher where we hedge our bets with so-and-so and then go out and draft somebody. But you don't do that with Odell Beckham. You do it with a much lesser name that a lot of people just grumble and groan and go, oh, who's this guy? He's not even good. Which, by the way, is what a lot of people did about Preston and Zedarius last year. Like, oh, come on. Never even heard of these people. What is going on? But I did get that question asked last year, or last year, yesterday, about my expectations and what I think might happen. And, you know, again, wide receiver is stacked. I think they believe they're going to come away with talent in this draft class. Doesn't mean they don't go out and get somebody, but I do think it means they don't go super big at wide receiver. I don't know if they can go super big too many places, but I don't think it's going to be super big there. Linebacker, when you hear about them meeting with every single possible prospect, again, Maybe they go out and get a linebacker and draft somebody, but the point is I think they're very, very invested in making sure they come out of this draft with a linebacker, and I do tend to think that means first two rounds. Maybe they'll wait until the third. I mean, you never really know. You can't go into it saying we have to draft a linebacker in the first two rounds. That might be a priority, but you don't know what's going to happen, and you don't want to set yourself into those situations because it just it's going to make you do a bad – make you – make a bad decision. I could have phrased that differently, but I, I'll leave it. We're, we're good with it. But that, that really just kind of points me to one area, and that is tight end. I do think this is somewhat of a weaker tight end class. That's just my assumption. I don't know. Maybe the Packers disagree with that, but also factor in the fact that, you know, wide receivers are probably going to be a priority. Linebackers probably going to be a priority. It just feels like a good time if we're going to take a swing at tight end that um, that would be, if we're going to take a big swing, it's going to be a tight end. It just feels right, because then it alleviates our need. We still have Jace, and we have so-and-so. It doesn't have to be Austin Hooper, but, you know, whatever. Hopefully somebody that we believe is, is talented. But it also alleviates that need of, okay, we really need a tight end. Maybe we don't take a linebacker because this is our last top tight end on the board, and so we're going to pass on a linebacker and probably not get any good ones because we're going to wait until the third. But, you know, again, we got to swing at a tight end because this is literally the last one. We know we won't make it another round, right? It just takes that away. And I also think it's an important position. We know, again, look at some of the top offenses. The the Chiefs with the Chiefs have a very good tight end. The Baltimore Ravens have a very good tight end. They have several very good tight ends. The 49ers, very good tight end. The Patriots back when they were good, very good tight end. 
I mean, one of, one of the biggest things that teams are looking for are very, very versatile Isaiah Simmons-type players. The reason that is such a high priority, the reason we're drafting now 225, 230-pound linebackers that aren't very good at stopping the run is because tight ends are such a vicious threat that defensive coordinators are really, really trying to figure out how to stop. It's such a complicated thing for teams to figure out, and a lot of them don't have it figured out. So if you've got a top-tier tight end, it's huge. And then you got guys like Matt LaFleur, who are from the Shanahan tree, who really like to utilize tight ends. The Rams have a very good tight end who's not pe- many people talk about, but Higby. All right, that scheme is very, very tight end dependent, and we, as of right now, don't really have one. Maybe Jace, but maybe not. Again, the guy runs a 4.75. He's not super fast. I think he's a good route runner. I think he will be a good... I, I, I'm excited about Jace, but his sort of top-end potential... You know, George Kittle runs like a five four five five. Travis Kelsey is also fairly fast. So just actual ability to really stress linebackers and be faster than that. There's a lot of linebackers that can keep up with four seven five, Like, almost all of them. Doesn't mean you can keep up with them as a receiver, because there's all the route running and everything else that goes with it. But I'm just saying. So that's where I would lean. Um... As far as my Hayden Hurst dreams, they may be getting dashed. Now, we'll see. What we know is that there have been inquiries about Hayden Hurst, and maybe if a team offers up enough, the Ravens will consider it, but they're not actually shopping him. There are just teams calling because it's like, dude, you guys got like three tight ends. How about you give us your number three on the list here and get something back for him? But according to... Jeff Zrebiak of The Athletic. I don't know how you say his last name. Um, he's essentially saying, look, the, the, the Ravens have no desire to trade him. Now, he doesn't know. He's not a member of the team. Maybe they really like some of the offers they're hearing, but it, it does sound like maybe there was a little bit too much speculation and that just because teams are calling doesn't mean the Ra- Ravens are any bit interested whatsoever. So still somewhat hopeful that that could possibly be an option. Again, a very low-cost option something the Packers could do with relatively little impact as far as a cap hit, but um, doesn't sound like that might be a top option, or an available option, I should say. So there is Austin Hooper. Um, One of the names that isn't talked about nearly as much but is an option would be Mr. Eric Ebron. I know, again, a lot of this is name stuff. Austin Hooper is a big name because he had relatively big year last year. Not super elite, but relatively big. I think Ebron's name has been mostly kind of tarnished as being sort of a draft bust. He's never really been an elite player, but he did have presumably roughly his best year this past year. He's only 26 years old, going on 27, and he would be cheaper. Not necessarily cheap, but cheaper, as opposed to roughly the $11 million that Austin Hooper is going to be looking for. Eric Ebron, according to Spot Track, would be about $7.4 million. I'm not going to get up and do cartwheels about it. Because, of course, I have my reservations and concerns, namely the fact that he's never really been a top-tier tight end, even when he had a really good quarterback. Remember, he played with Andrew Luck in 2018. And although it was definitely his best year statistically, he had 827 yards. Oh, I mean, that is really impressive, actually. <laughs> his grades were terrible, but uh, a lot of that was drops and fumble grade. This is actually somewhat intriguing. His receiving grade was a 70. He had 827 yards and 14 touchdowns. So at Detroit, he had 1, 5, 1, and 4 were his touchdowns. In Indy, without luck, he had 300 yards and 3 touchdowns. With luck, 827 and 14 touchdowns. He was a touchdown monster. 
11.2 yards per reception, which is his actual average over the course. It was what he did in 2018 and his overall average. I don't know. Point is, there's not a huge amount of options. There's Jordan Reed, who's, you know, done with football. 30-year-old Vance McDonald. 36-year-old Vernon Davis. 38-year-old Jason Witten. Tyler Eifert, who I've said is, you know, really, really, at least was really, really good back in the day. But he's been so banged up and so injured. Charles Clay, who's 31 now. Hunter Henry is almost definitively going back to the Chargers. If he doesn't, obviously that's going to be a huge option. Very expensive option. 34-year-old Darren Fells. I mean, everybody's just late 30s, man. 31-year-old Bradley Sowell. 32-year-old Lance Kendricks. 30-year-old Luke Wilson. I mean, if you want to know why Richard Rodgers is, is, or excuse me, yeah, 20. Richard Rodgers is 28? I feel like he should be 35 by now. What, did we draft him when he was 12? But it's it's because Austin Hooper was one of the top tight ends. Not super elite, but one of the top, and he's only 25. I mean, I, I really think the, the reason he's such a huge name is less to do with how great he is and simply the fact that he's good enough and isn't 39 years old. This pool of tight ends, and, th- and this is why it's so important to get one, is just so terrible. Like, I, who would ever want any of these guys for any price? No offense to all of them, including Mr. Mercedes Lewis, much love, but 36 years old? Just yikes, dude. And yeah, I think Eric Ebron would clearly be the next in line again assuming hunter henry is not available that's really all you got you got eric ebron you got austin hooper i don't know who else on this giant list of probably 50 free agents you would even want to consider just crazy and seattle gave greg olson at 35 years old a seven million dollar contract gross that's another team that i just despise i that gm gets so much credit and i don't know why I don't know if it's because he had that one really good draft year and built the Legion of Boom and now everybody just can't get off of it. I feel like he's just done a terrible job with that team. I don't understand it. The only other free agent tight end that's been signed is Demetrius Harris from the Cleveland Browns went to Chicago for $1.6 million. I don't know, man. It's, it's tough. If, if the Packers want to get a tight end, they got to do something. And you can see why they're, they're picking up the phone on Austin Hooper, but that is going to be a feeding frenzy for that guy. And the reason he's going to get $11 million isn't because his play is worth $11 million. It's because if you want a tight end and you don't have one, you're going to pay Austin Hooper $11 million, or you will just not have a tight end. It's crazy how hard it is to find quality tight ends. Anyways, why don't we take our second break? We'll come back and clean up a few other items. All right, so we'll speed round a couple of items here. Um, The Chargers apparently are parting ways with Travis Benjamin. Again, he's a name. People probably know his name. Maybe if you know a little bit about him, you know he ran like a 4-3-5. And so I, I haven't heard anything or seen anything, but I have to assume there's at least a couple Packer fans out there saying, dude, what about Travis Benjamin? No, never. Never, never. He's been a pretty... Just just bad since forever. So if you were wondering about it, stop wondering about it. Um, something else that was just kind of a random note from a long time ago that I want to talk about eventually is the fact that Grant Delpit is falling. He was once considered to be the top safety in the class. He was seen as possibly a top 10. I remember even last year when, who was it? It was Devin White last year during the draft process when he was asked about who is who should we be aware of on, on the team. He said Grant Delpit. The guy's an absolute freak. I think that he said he was the only rookie to ever start. I don't know if it's for LSU or for the defense or what, but they've never had a rookie just come in and be a starter right away, and Grant Delpit did that. He's just an absolute freak. Apparently, people aren't super impressed, and he's been dropping ever since, and now there's talk about him possibly going 
maybe late first. And I know a lot of people are rolling their eyes saying, why would we care? Again, it's the Green Bay Packers. They have a penchant for taking best player available and somebody that you don't expect and probably don't want. All I'm saying is depending on how the board shakes out, if the Packers see Grant Delpit is by far the best available guy, do we know definitively they will refuse to take a safety? I know we already have two safeties. I get that. But we play with three. Not even saying I want them. This is just sort of a brace for impact kind of a situation. And another example of what I've been trying to slowly remind everybody that just because we get hyped up and in our minds we've already decided as a group, we've all come together, we've decided we want a wide receiver, maybe a linebacker if it's a really good one, but that's it. We will not accept anything else. We have to loosen that because draft day will, will ruin this. Again, we there are people who are still mad about the 2017-2016 draft because they get so built up in their mind about what we have to do because of stuff that we just made up that when the Packers don't do it, it just, we can't get over it. So that's part of the reason why this part I like to view as a, a fun exercise. It's, it's fun to do, but it's make-believe land. We're not actually in the scouting room. We're not actually sitting down with Brian Gutekunst. We're not actually going through this process and going to these schools and sitting down in these meeting rooms and these interview rooms and listening to the medicals and the psyche valves and all these different things that are super important. We're not doing any of that. And so what I've been trying to do the last couple of years is change my mentality on draft day from what they should do to just sitting and listening. Because I trust the Packers evaluators, although, you know, everybody is imperfect and nobody knows exactly what's going on. But for example, look at Rashawn Gary. Would not in a million years have been my pick. Just wouldn't have been. But what I tried to do from a mental standpoint is say how much they must love Rashawn Gary. Because again, we... Our, our, the way we view things is largely based on what media members think of such and such a player. As much as you think that might not be the case, trust me, it's the case. I promise you, if every single one of the people listening to the sound of my voice had no television, radio, internet, whatever, except tape of guys, and they just had to rank them, it would look wildly different than what they currently believe are the top prospects. Very few people actually have the honesty and courage to say, this is my list, I don't care at all about what the media's impact is. Even me uh, trying to do that, I promise you there's a couple of guys that get a little bit of a bump just because I don't want to be way off. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm i not super... Like, C.D. Lamb would probably even be lower. That's not true. I, I put him where he belongs, in my mind. But there are other guys where it's like, I'd probably put him a little bit lower, but I, I, I just I don't want to be that wrong, so I'll just put him here. It's, it's close, so the tie goes to whatever the media says. But the, the, the reason that's interesting is now we get to find out what the Packers actually think. We get to find out what the GMs, the guys that are actually on the ground, the actual experts, not the media members, the actual experts believe about this stuff. You know, experts in quotes, as much as you can be an expert in this field, which you can't. But it's funny because we get into this mode where we believe that what we know and what the media know is the the be-all, end-all, and what the Packers do should reflect what we believe, whereas what we probably should be doing is finding out what the Packers decide to do, like with Darnell Savage. That was, a lot of people thought he was a second-round guy. In my mind, then, it's a matter of, rather than saying, you dummies traded up for a second-round safety, it was, wow. They must really, really believe that this is, this is you know, I don't, I don't want to go to the extent of saying Earl Thomas level, but they believe he has that kind of a ceiling. That's what they believe this guy is, and we just got him. So it's always going to be a positive reaction, right? Because we know Brian Gutekunst and the staff believe that this can be an elite player. Rashawn Gary can be an elite, 
elite player, and we got him. That's what I like to do in the draft anyways. You handle it however you want. But again, understand that the media and our ability to watch a couple games and form an opinion should be less than our opinion of Brian Gutekunst and their staff's ability to get players. This whole thing, Grant Delpit and this thing I'm doing now, is just because I know how people are going to react when the Packers don't take who we want them to take in the first round, myself included. And in reality, the more Packers thing to do would be to take a position of need, but just not the one you want. They, 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 on a fairly regular occasion, at least take one of the top needs, but it's never the guy I want. Right? Rashawn Gary was, was, I mean, we were considering edge rusher, but none of us wanted Rashawn Gary, so that's who they took. It's almost like they want to spite us. Like, I promise you, if LaVisca Chenault and Jalen Rager and K.J. Hamler are available, they're going to take Justin Jefferson. And I know that that's probably a good pick. I get it, but I just didn't like him when I watched him. I know he did well in the Combine. I know a lot of people like him. I know he's high up on a lot of people's boards, but he's not high up on mine. He didn't get me excited when I watched him, and I want to pick a guy that I really get excited about. But they're not going to. They're going to take Justin Jefferson or, you know, T. Higgins, somebody that I I, I believe is probably going to be a fine pick, probably was the actual right pick, but it's just not the guy I wanted. Or they'll draft Jordan Brooks. It's like, no, I don't like him. I mean, it's fine, but that's not what I want. So let's just prepare for that. Whether it's a position we're not expecting or the position we want but not the player we want, don't even just brace for it. Know it's going to happen. Embrace that in your soul and know that that's coming, which also is a good reason to really branch out. Really explore what happens in that situation. Really go deep on the wide receiver prospects. Don't get all hung up on you know, the only guys worth it are Ruggs, Chenault, Rager, that's it. Everybody else is trash, don't want them, don't need them. And then we draft, you know, again, Justin Jefferson or Denzel Mims or Brandon Ayuk. I mean, some of these guys I really like, but some of you probably don't as much. Or Donovan Peoples-Jones, and we all just want to riot. You know what's coming. Prepare accordingly. With the 30th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select Ross Blacklock. See? How'd that make you feel? Some of you fine. Some of you feel sick to your stomach. I'm telling you. Just go practice that. Go pick a name of a guy you don't like and rehearse that in your head. Visualize at the podium that being announced. Raekwon Davis. I would be the only person on planet Earth outside of a bunch of Bears fans, Vikings fans, and Lions fans who'd be jumping up and down. But yeah, Delpit's falling. (laughs) Anyways, why don't we just call it there? You folks have yourselves a fantastic Wednesday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.